Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 141. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, J.G. Francis. J.G., are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? <laughs> yeah, let's let's roll. All right. J.G. Francis is the owner of Mercedes Motoring in Glendale, California. He fell in love with Mercedes-Benz after living next door to a Mercedes mechanic who taught him how strong and enduring the mark was. His passion for well-built and well-engineered cars, combined with his entrepreneurial spirit, drove him to launch a business where he takes well-loved old Mercedes-Benz cars that are produced between 1968 and 1985, and he carefully and lovingly restores them to their original grandeur. Driving one of his comfortably worn-in beauties is like going back in time. And I've seen his work, I've driven in his cars, and they are absolutely wonderful. So, J.G., I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your history, your business, your interest, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Thanks a lot, Mark. Yeah, so I, uh, gosh, my uh, my business is Mercedes Motoring. Um, seems crazy. I've owned it more than 10 years now because I've, I've never really had uh, an endeavor I've, I've had this long in my life. Almost <laughs> you must be liking what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love it. But at least I, I feel fortunate enough to, to love what I do. But, um, yeah, I've had it for 11 years now, I guess. Just turned 11 years. It's evolved over time. The idea, I think the original philosophy and idea behind it is still more or less the same. And um, I've always, since I started Mercedes Motoring, I've been interested in diesel. We we tend to focus on, on diesel cars. I'd, I'd say that's probably half of our, our business. I have a huge lifestyle with these cars. I travel with them. Just been in love with sort of car culture since I was pretty young. I know in the startup I said that you live next door to a Mercedes mechanic, but when you started this business and you said, you know what, I'm going to restore these old cars and bring them back, that was one thing to say that, but to actually start doing it, how did you really get started in all this? Yeah, well, uh, you know, the Mercedes stuff, I had I had been, you know, working and kind of building cars on the side for a very long time, I mean, since I was pretty young. 
And, you know, eventually I took the steps into, into doing Mercedes. In fact, when I had the next door neighbor who was a Mercedes Benz mechanic, he was actually the roadside assistance guy. And I had grown up right next um, to this family. I mean, my whole life back then I was, I was working on like a lot of American stuff. I was, I was doing stuff on the side in college and a lot of Volkswagens and stuff. So I, I was just over there all the time chatting with him about general car stuff. And he, you know, was always telling me about Mercedes stuff. He drove an old diesel wagon at the time. I kind of didn't pay attention to it back then. I didn't really, to be honest, as a, as a kid in high school in Las Vegas, I mean, the last thing on my mind was an old Mercedes diesel. Um, (laughs) yeah. So, but I did love cars back then and I sort of always have. Eventually I, um, I don't know, jump another 10 or so years and, I was living in Orange County at the time, um, specifically Costa Mesa near Newport Beach, and that's one of the biggest Mercedes-Benz markets in the world. And so they were all around me. I was sort of a, like a corporate dropout there, I think is the best way to say it. I just um, I wasn't <laughs> cut out for what I spent nine years in college for, and I just kind of on a whim, uh, a couple variables that came into place, I I had a little nest egg and I wanted to change careers and I just kind of almost as a temporary way to pay the bills, I thought, well, maybe I'll just, you know, buy and sell a few cars, do, you know, try and do a restoration or two. And I ended Mm -hmm. up buying a Mercedes. And so that's how it, that's sort of how it all fell on my lap. And the first one I did, I mean, that was it. I haven't owned a single other car in 11 years other than a Mercedes Benz. I think I'm on number 400 or something like that by now. I've been, Done a lot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love your story because it, it's a lot of what Cars Yeah is all about is combining that passion, the avocation for cars into a vocation. And and I think, you know, I'm so happy that you found your way. The fact that you just celebrated 11 years in business. Congratulations. Thank you. And you've, you've worked on over 400 Mercedes Benz. I mean, you learn a lot of things after touching that many cars over that time. And, you know, I just watched this week's, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's Medians and Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, yeah. And I thought I thought of you because I knew we would be talking, and he was driving a 1970 280 SE low grill right. uh, Cabriolet Mercedes. Beautiful car. So classy. He was kind of making fun of uh, wasps, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> the stereotypical Mercedes-Benz driver. But right. those cars have really become valuable, and the cars that you're working on have become valuable, yeah. and I think it's just fantastic how you evolved. So oh, cool. as we continue on your, yeah, yeah, it was really, it was a good show. I think his shows are getting better because there's more stuff about the cars. I've been hoping for one of mine to, to show up on there with him because he's been he's been a great customer of mine over the years, and he's just a super fun awesome. guy. Yeah. yeah, definitely in the cars. Yeah. So as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote, and this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, JG, take the wheel. (laughs) Uh, An inspirational quote, I would have to say, I mean, I'm big on quotes, so I know about a million of them, but um, one one of my favorite ones comes from my buddy Sean. Uh, who he's a fundamental part of Mercedes motoring. Um, probably talk about him later, but uh, he once said, that's going to be impossible, which is not to say it can't be done. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of love that. It defines Sean completely, although he said it probably half-jokingly. I, I take it pretty literally all the time. 
Yeah. yeah. How have you incorporated Sean's quote into Mercedes motoring in your business? I mean, I I incorporated, I think, into my life in general all the time. I think reaching, you know, whatever the cliche is about reaching farther than you grasp or, you know, overachieving or whatever those things are, it's like I have always just, for whatever reason, I just have to say I've been cut out for that. It's just I'm not ever happy until I have just refined something a million times, be it like the way I wash the dishes or take the trash out or if I'm (laughs) adjusting a glove box, you know, on a 114 coupe or something. It's like everything I I try and do, I really try and do it well. When Sean once told me that's going to be impossible, which is not to say it can't be done, if I remember right, it was when we both had a stack of work to do we were just backed up with a ton of work probably low on money at the time and we wanted to take his 1942 Dodge pickup that he's been driving for probably 10 years to La Carrera Panamericana the the vintage road car race across Mexico oh yeah and we had I don't know we came up with the idea probably two or three weeks before the race started and two or three weeks before yeah that's all? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, it was, you know, we didn't have time to take a couple of weeks off from work and uh, and round up the money and, and do all these other things to go down there. And and we did. You know, we didn't race in it. It's always been a dream of ours to race in it. But, uh, you know, the, the general idea was we'll go down there in Sean's truck. Mind you, Sean's, his pickup, it's a 42 Dodge, but it sits on an 89 Chevy S10 chassis and drivetrain. Okay. But uh, the truck itself, I mean, it's it's just about as cool as they get. I mean, it's a, it's a true field, you know, ranch-style truck. It, it sat out in the field for probably 40 years before Sean got to it. It's beat up and rusted. Mm-hmm. And we took it all, yeah, we took it we took it all across Mexico on probably one of the, one of the best adventures of my whole life. And, and we, we <laughs> cool. you know, we made it, we kind of made it happen. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a good example of, of his quote, but I think about it all the time. I mean, I just... I face, you know, you face, everybody faces, faces challenges all the time that they just think, there's no way I can do that, or that's not going to happen, or how, how is this possible, or whatever. I just kind of always look at everything like, I, I really can do it, and I'm going to figure this out, and we're going to make this happen. And sure, I mean, occasionally, I mean, you fail at that, but um, I, I almost always start with the attitude of, I can do this. No, we, mm-hmm. we can do this. <laughs> No matter how sort of nuts it sounds. <laughs> that's the entrepreneurial way. That's perseverance and tenacity. And all those things are required when you have your own business and you, you come up against obstacles. I love that quote. It's great. <laughs> Would you share a story with me that really instigated your passion for cars? Can you remember, can you tell us about that pivotal moment when you really knew you were a car guy? Uh, you know, I, I've thought about this question before because I get that a lot you know when like when was it or what what was it I have to say I'm I'm the kind of guy who takes <laughs> takes all these questions so literally and and uh and seriously I'm I overanalyze even even the small stuff you were stuck on a deserted island for your whole life you know and you only had one food to eat that's those kind of questions yeah. drive me like absolutely nuts <laughs> <laughs> So if I had to say like a pivotal moment, man, this is going to seem so small and insignificant, but um, it's true. 
I was probably maybe about eight or nine, and I had some little, like, Hot Wheels or little toys that my mom had bought me, and my a friend, my neighbor friend down the street had some, and I fell in love with this little car. I didn't even know what the car was. Um, it was just, like, my favorite little car. We'd make little tracks in the dirt. I, I grew up in Las Vegas, and we... I wasn't actually a big toy guy to begin with, but uh, specifically I do remember playing with cars and mm-hmm. I, I just loved this car. And I remember at some point I thought to ask my mom, what is this? Like, I want one of these cars. What is this car? If I remember right, it was a Celica, <laughs> a, toy, oh, a Toyota cool. Celica, which uh, yeah. doesn't even sound like uh, some so pedestrian. Yeah, I, I definitely remember that. And I remember that kind of led me into just continuing to like cars. And I was certainly interested in mechanics as far back as I can remember. I mean, I was the classic, like, took the phone apart at home and, like, broke stuff all the time at the house (laughs) and was always trying to please somebody and fix something. And yeah, so I I was definitely, you know, uh, into mechanics and building things. I mean, honestly, back as far as I can remember. Those early Celicas are pretty cool from the 70s. <laughs> yeah. My mom had one. And, and you know, you talk about little cars. My first Matchbox, which I still have, <laughs> the old Matchbox by Lesney was a Jaguar XKE. Right, yeah, that's and awesome. And so that was kind of the start for me. But uh, great story. I love that. Yeah. So, JG, what I want to do now is is I really would like to look down some of the roads you've driven. You yeah. talked about challenges and things, and I'd love to crawl under the hood and <laughs> maybe get our hands a little dirty, something you're used to yeah, doing sure. with restoring cars. but ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your business. Most importantly, share with me how you overcame it and what you learned from that. I have, I mean, this one, this seems like the easiest question so far. <laughs> lots of, lots <laughs> of success and failure. I guess I'll start with the failures. From about the time I was, I mean, I just got my license, so I must have been 16 until now. I'm 40. I have only worked for someone else, I guess I should say, for maybe three years out of all that, three mm-hmm. and a half. And I had my share of failed businesses. I had a, when I was 16, I had a, a lawn mowing business that a neighbor gave to me. He moved away and he had like, I don't remember, 20 something accounts. So he gave me all 20 accounts when he moved and it must have been nice. <laughs> I, I drove that right into the ground. I don't even think it lasted six six months. Uh, it was way too much responsibility <laughs> for a sixteen year old. Then I had a floor. I had a tile granite flooring company all through college that actually treated me pretty well. I was good at it. I didn't necessarily uh, once I left that. It wasn't because I wasn't good at it or doing well. I just had no real passion for it. Oddly enough, I think one of my other early failures was one of my finance professors, I think I was 19 at the time, came to me and said he would support and fund any business idea that I had. And he was a super wow. cool guy. I went to, I was at UNLV at the time. I also went to school in, in Texas, um, in Austin, but at the time I was at UNLV and, and I was already into cars and I said, well, I've always wanted to like you know, restore, buy and sell cars in some way. And he said, well, let's go for it. And that was just another one that didn't last, which is weird because it did come for full circle. And that's what I've been so successful at now. But back then, I mean, 
business comes, you know, a lot of business is exactly what it sounds like. It's business and it's a lot more than what you're good at and what your, your craftsmanship is. There are a lot more variables involved. And when I was young, I didn't quite understand that responsibility and how to manage all that. So, uh, but I did have a car restoration business in technically when I was 19 and in college with one of my finance professors. Oh, that's really cool. I would assume there were some things there that, that you learned that somewhere they stuck in your skull and, and when you started Mercedes Motoring, they came forth. So that's that's cool. Thanks for sharing those. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And I'd love for you to share a story. when you had a real aha moment with your business that time when you went, you know what, I think this is really going to make it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. I realized it from the very beginning. Well, I mean, I should say that most of the, I mean, most of the things I've done in life, I, I generally believe in it. And, you know, when I bought my first Mercedes, which again, I didn't go out searching necessarily for a Mercedes. I just was thinking, oh, I'm going to go, you know, try and find something, you know, kind of cool to, to fix up and, and try and make some money on. And it just so happened that in a, 1979 SD presented itself for sale that I ended up buying. And I fixed that car up, I sold it, and made some money, and it was instant. You know, I looked at everything that was for sale around Orange County. I looked at the sort of, you know, there's a lot of old money in Orange County, a lot of people that had old Mercedes stuff from the 70s and 80s. I mean, they were everywhere. And there really weren't, there were a lot of servicing shops kind of knowledge and, and guys around there that knew people around there that just knew the cars, but there weren't really at the time, I don't remember at least seeing a lot of restoration and guys that were making those cars nice again. So I just saw the opportunity literally from the first one that I did. And, uh, and like I said, it changed and I, I refined the business, you know, over time as I learned more and more about it, I, I guess I feel lucky enough to, I, I didn't have to search around. I mean, I had already been searching around for what I wanted to do with my career for over 10 years, you know, since I was pretty young. It, it's a hard thing. Yeah. When you're so interested in so many things, it's, it's hard to decide what the heck you want to do with. Let me ask you this. You probably have had many proud moments. We talked, you touched on a little bit earlier, but is there one in particular you could share a really proud moment with your current career that really stands out? the way I've been recognized has felt really great. I had a feature in the New York Times not that long ago and GQ mm-hmm. and then Journal and, you know, Esquire, all these, wow. all these things. And to a certain degree, I hate to say that, that recognition is what, is what makes me proud because I don't really think it's that. But, but at the same time, I, I guess I can't deny that that feels good. You know, you work hard at something and you have... And I get emails from from people that love what I do and and whatnot, and that always feels great. But on a larger scale, having a publication like the New York Times say what these guys are doing is awesome. It, it's it's cool. It, it definitely made me you know it made me sit back for a minute and think like, man, I have I have worked really hard. I didn't just start building amazing cars from <laughs> from day one. I mean, it it took a long time to really figure it out. We're still figuring it out. You know, I had a guest on the other day, Russell Burns from uh, Linear Edge, mm-hmm. and he said the same thing. The first time he saw his products featured in Road and Track magazine, he just went, whoa, I, somebody noticed what I'm doing. Right. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it's a great feeling. 
Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? Not necessarily your first (laughs) car, but a car that was really special to you, and maybe you could share one of the memories you had with that vehicle. That is such a hard question. That's like favorite band or favorite (laughs) movie or whatever. Um, I had a, well, in 1979, my parents went to the Volkswagen dealership. My dad bought the Scirocco, and my mom bought the Rabbit. It was pretty cool. It's like they both had new cars, which was a big deal for, you know, for us. And uh, eventually my dad gave me the Scirocco when I turned 16. So Mm -hmm. it really was, technically it was my first car. A little side note there would be that we had a 1979 Chevy Love pickup that... (laughs) I remember those. Yeah, (laughs) that I had been driving since I was probably 14 my dad had no idea that I had been driving it since I was 14. My dad would pass out every night at about 9 o'clock, and I would go in and steal the keys. And <laughs> I, had this whole, I had this whole system of coasting down the driveway. I'd start the car about four houses down. <laughs> oh, now like, he knows. <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those classic take out the car every night. In fact, that was the car I took my driver's test on, driving test on. Okay. And I had to... Uh, completely fake it with my dad like he was teaching me how to drive i had already known how to drive that car for about two years (laughs) well i'll I'll tell you something funny we have something in common Uh my first new car the first new car i ever bought was a 1979 chiraco no way that's amazing yep that's awesome his was his was it was some forest green color a dark green that was mine dark yeah i kid kid you not it was (laughs) dark green it had a tan interior i just love that car i was in college I drove that car for many, all the way up to when I got married and we had our first child. Great fun car. Oh, that's awesome. Great that's fun funny. Car. Yeah, yeah. That is really funny. Yeah, Strange I mean, coincidence. It was, it was, man, I have too many memories in that car. It was, it was really <laughs> fun. And it was a stick yeah. shift. There was a, there was a time in high school right after I got it where I had, I had broken both of my arms. My right one, my stick shift arm was in a full cast, so I couldn't bend it at the elbow. My left arm was in a half cast, so I could bend it. I was cruising all over in that thing with like broken arms and <laughs> had a girlfriend at the time. And, yeah. I'm trying to shift like Frankenstein. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was ridiculous. Very cool. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had and you've sold? Now, you've had over 400 cars, so you've got a lot. But is there is there one? Yeah, I can see where you're going with that question. The, the little side note on the 400 cars, I mean, you know, if I had to get down to what I put my hands on and restored, it's probably closer to like, I guess it's probably more than 200 by now, but uh, yeah. you know, sometimes in the beginning of my career, I had a lot of cars that just came and let. I just, you know, yep. just lightly worked on them, but I think that number is accurate overall. But uh, yeah, seller's remorse. Um, yeah, this one's kind of bittersweet and it's the one, it's definitely the one I miss. I mean, I miss them all, but uh, the one I miss most for about 10 years, I drove a 1957 23-window Volkswagen bus, ragtop. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Man, I bought it for $3,500, mm. 1995 or something like that. I bought it off a friend of mine for 3500 bucks, and I kept it until 2003. I just lightly fixed it up and worked on it all that time. And that's when I said I had a little nest egg. That was my nest egg, and it, it wasn't much. Uh, I sold it for, I think, thirteen or $14,000 in 2003. 
that is how I started Mercedes Motoring. I took that little tiny chunk of money All right. and bought my first Mercedes and totally grew from there. We probably got 25 or 30 cars in the shop today. Well, I saw just last week, I think one sold for 100 thousand plus dollars so in uh i think it was overseas so um yeah i understand well we all have those that's the way it goes and at the time it enabled you to start what you were doing so it was the right thing to do yeah that's why i asked that question how about current projects is there a project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up yeah we man we have so much good stuff right now we have in the works the very initial stages of a 600 um, a short wheelbase 600 limo with mm. a modern blue tech diesel engine. So that one's in the works. Uh, we're just kind of discussing the logistics of all that. And it's not very common that we do really custom stuff like that. So I'm really excited about that one. Probably yeah. the biggest one, the one I've been working on the last few weeks, is also a really interesting car. It's a 1962 300D Adenauer. And also Adenauer. Yeah. By Conrad Adenauer, wow. yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, and that one, man, that has just been one of my favorite projects of all time. It's one of, the, I think in 1962, they only made 45 of those Adenauers. It was the last year, and it's just an incredible car. It sat covered in a garage, not started for almost 40 years. And we, wow. we got it last year from the second owner. He bought it in 1965. And it's got a really cool story attached to the whole thing. And I'm actually working with Mercedes-Benz International. They're doing a little short documentary on the car right now. So they've been at my shop filming, us doing the restoration and everything. It's It's been really cool. Those are beautiful cars. They they The front ends almost, if I remember how, what they look like, almost have a Rolls-Royce-esque yeah. Yeah. look to them with that big, tall grill. Correct. I, yeah. I can't even remember how many, uh, how many crossbars are on that grill. I counted them months ago <laughs> standing next to the grill it comes you know it's just it's gigantic you have low grill and tall grill you know you know but you know a lot of people talk about you know like 111 coupes you know the low grill and tall grill, or even even a 123 chassis car i mean it's got three rows i guess of, of uh, horizontal crossbars the ad an hour must have eight nine rows <laughs> i mean you could turn that thing on its side and it's probably taller than a 123 grill yeah. Oh, they're beautiful. Oh, it sounds exciting. Yeah. And I have, uh, I have some other cool. I mean, I have, I have my own personal wagon that I've been working on. It's kind of a little custom project, and I have a couple coupes of one fourteen chassis coupes. I have a seventy three two eighty C and a seventy three two fifty C, and those are man, I never get enough of those cars. So I'll, I'll, I'm pretty <laughs> excited still about. I get excited about most of my projects. I never dread any of them. Awesome. The passion's there. Okay, here's a funny question for you, JG. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? <laughs> this is the one question I, I almost have no answer for. Uh, you know, I only have a few personal cars, and one of them is a 1973 250C. It's a coupe. I think that car kind of defines me and my personality. Like, I feel lucky enough to own the car. I probably would say that I'd want to be. It's a European model, and it's very stripped down, like a no uh, no air conditioning, no sunroof, no power windows, no vacuum door locks. No, I mean, just, just a four wheels and an engine and crank windows and all that. So the simplicity of it is what I'm 
ultimately drawn to kind of the less is more idea. And that coupled with yeah. it's still Paul Brock's, you know, to me, his masterpiece design. And it's a very undervalued and uh, a lot of people just breeze right over those tubes and don't think twice about them. Then, you know, I built mine and set it up all awesome. And that's the one that definitely gets the most attention around here. <laughs> and and <laughs> it's green, go. it's green with parchment interior. So it's a good, yeah. it's a good color. A lot of times people think it's some fancy colored green and Hey, look, yeah. what color is that? It's back to your Scirocco days. Yeah. <laughs> it's just green, though. The, <laughs> the factory color is called green. It's not Caledonia green or moss green or anything yeah. Else. yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. All right, JG, we're entering what I call the last lap here. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions. And you're sure. going to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I think so, yeah. Okay, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't ever operate under deadlines because uh, your <laughs> yes. your work will suffer, which I think is funny because almost every car TV show out there, everybody operates under deadlines. I know, I know. I, I look at those shows and I think, how on earth could it be have been done well? And it probably wasn't. Yeah, I mean, some people work well under deadlines. I probably do fall into that category sometimes. But to me, if you want to really, I mean, if you're very self-motivated, don't ever operate under, under deadlines because your work will, yep. will suffer. Yep. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Yeah, I'm very organized, like beyond <laughs> beyond organized. I'm super OCD. And- yeah, I think we share that habit. <laughs> would you share one book with us that you've really enjoyed in the past that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would like? Uh, I'm a true adventurist, so Pontiki, which I think the subtitle is The Greatest Sea Adventure of Our Time. Those guys are my heroes. Yes. Yeah. Great book. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find these links at carsyad.com slash JG Francis. All right, JG, we're up to the checkered flag here. <laughs> and this last question can be a little bit of a doozy for some folks, right. especially if you like a lot of cars. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something that you can't sell to buy other cars with, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you want today. What would that one vehicle be and why? I'm going back to Mercedes here. It definitely would be a 300 SL Roadster. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. I suppose if you could attach to that question, I mean, sometimes if cars become too expensive or too rare or too this or that for me, they it, it takes the fun out of it. I mean, my idea of a car is like driving the back roads of Alabama or who knows where and really mm-hmm. using a car. I can't ever imagine having a 300 SL Roadster just because of all the attention and the cost and all that (laughs) stuff. But if we could just extend the fantasy to being, no one's going to stare at me. I can drive it down the dirt road in Yosemite or something. I would totally, that would be the car. Yeah, they're beautiful. You know, strange coincidence here because the guest I had on earlier this morning, that was his choice as well, although he wanted the Gullwing. But I do like the Roadster better. I, yeah. I just I like the convertible top and the, just the lines. It, uh, yeah. They're gorgeous. Yeah. They're gorgeous. And they drive like a, a modern-day car, too. Yeah. They're just a joy well, the, to drive. The Adenauer so. that we're building right now, I mean, it's a 300, so it's a fuel-injected, you know, it's, it's a tuned-down going motor in it, but uh, it is it is a 300. I mean, that badge, back then and in, in those days, that badge meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, well, great choice, great choice. And what color do you want yours in? I would probably choose light ivory with some medium red leather or light, just 
basically Mm. ivory and red. Beautiful. Yeah, great choice. Well, JG, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey and, and what you're doing there at Mercedes Motoring with me. Would you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance? before you drive off into the sunset in that 300 SL Roadster? (laughs) Sure. I've been very diligent to always remember this one every time it sort of gets a little out of skew, but I try not to ever let money drive, no pun intended here, drive drive my career or, or what I'm doing in my life. I feel like if you just let your passion, the things that you love and the things that maybe you're, you're good at and you love, drive what you're doing, the money will certainly follow that. And Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. And I mean, it probably never happens overnight, but I can just tell you there are so many people out there. And I know this because I get emails every single day from people to say, like, you know, whatever kind of fan mail you want to call it. And there's so many people out there not doing what they love and what they want. And they're drawn to those people who do. And your work, mm-hmm. your work just shines through. It's like if you do something you love, you're going to do a good job at it. You're going to be good at it, and people will want uh, that. Yeah, perfect words of advice and wisdom, JG, because that's what Cars Yeah is all about, is finding your passion in cars and finding a way to wrap your avocation into your vocation. And you've done that, my friend, in such a nice way. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing? Oh, sure. It's uh, Mercedes Motoring. That's the name of my business, and it's just like it sounds, MercedesMotoring.com. Awesome. Do you have a Facebook page as well? Uh, yeah, I have a Facebook page, and um, I do have a little side traveling lifestyle blog that I've been working on for a while called Fools Be Trippin'. <laughs> Fools be tripping? Oh, okay. Foolsbetrippin.com. That's Sean and I. We're just on some of our road travels and trips and stuff that we take. Oh, uh, great. Yeah, you can find all that stuff on my website. I think there are links there for everything. All right. Well, listeners, again, I'll make sure that you can find links to everything JG has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash JG Francis. Thank you, JG, for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Carsyad listeners and with me. It's been really fun. Until we talk again. I'll see you down the road. Hey, thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's been awesome. I really I really appreciate it. You're doing a lot of great things as well, and, and it's awesome that you've got this show. So I'm in full support of seeing it success. Well, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!